0: Welcome to Definitely Not Funny. Actually, the least funny person I know. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Definitely Not Funny. I am your host, Jackie Norris, and today we are continuing what I am now calling the new kids on the blockchain series with a little episode about Web3 and what the hell it even is. And this is a continuation of of the episode about the Metaverse and I'm gonna do one about like NFTs and blockchain and whatever, all of that, all of that good stuff. But the fun part about this episode is that I am going to be joined by my wonderful cousin, Hannah Dudley, who can also be referred to as Cousin Hannah. Hannah is absolutely wonderful and basically like my sister, best friend, all wrapped up in one. And the best part is that she studied something called symbolic systems at Stanford University and actually it has like some credibility when talking about this stuff as opposed to my knowledge of the top three articles that come up when I Google search Web 3. So without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to both Hannah Dudley and Web 3.0. Hi Hannah. Welcome. Thank you, Jackie. It's so exciting to be here. So this is my cousin Hannah, for everyone who doesn't know. Uh, She could be referred to as Cousin Hannah, she could also be referred to as Hannah Dudley which is what her real name is. Um, She's amazing and she has come on to help me explain Web 3. We both are sort of like blah what's going on here Hannah's a little less blah than me Um, which is why I'm enlisting her. So. All of my knowledge that I have about Web3 comes from what I learned in the past hour. Hannah's knowledge, she's got maybe like a month worth. So in regards to like levels of knowledge, we have like enough to give like a rudimentary explanation, which is what I'm hoping you guys are looking for because my big intention with sort of like Metaverse, Web3, NFTs, blockchain, this whole kind of series is to really make it feel approachable basically what is web 3 why do people keep talking about it and I think the best way to go about that is to explain like what web 1 and web 2 are because I didn't even know those existed so from my understanding web 1 is like the internet 1.0 and then web 2 is like social media do you have a better understanding of
1: that yes so that's that's exactly exactly what it is, Web One. Is okay. kind of the first the first version of the internet, the first design of the internet. Web one is imagine, you know, very basic HTML websites or blogs where people could go on the world wide web and create their own website and write and post on the website. The important thing about web one is that it is a one way flow of information. So someone oh. could post on the website, but there wasn't necessarily the advanced feature of being able to respond directly to that or to have, you know, to have more of an interactive experience on the Internet. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Okay, so I didn't realize that. That makes a lot more sense to me. I think that's a good way to distinguish it. So does web one still exist in some capacity? Like would just a website be considered web one or no, has everything all like transitioned to web two now?
1: I mean, in theory, that is like websites today maybe the most advanced version of what the people who created web 1 were going for like to build for people to be able to have a platform where they could share their ideas, their thoughts um whatever it is they want and like broadcast broadcast it on what is the internet so someone on the other side of the world could have access to it. Uh, although again I guess disclaimer for all of this is that I could be very much wrong so if you're listening and I'm wrong please correct me well
0: what I will say is what I was gathering from like the one thing I gathered from a lot of my research on web 3 whatever by a lot of my research I mean the two articles I read um (laughs) an hour ago but (laughs) what I was gathering from it is that Similar to the idea of the metaverse is it's like everything's kind of speculative and there's no real definition for Web3 yet. So all of this stuff, like when we talk about it and then when also like when other people talk about it, they're like they sort of know what they're talking about, but it's not really there yet.
1: Well, yes, it's not really there yet, but also a lot of the people who are talking about it are we i mean i wish i had more technical expertise but maybe if we had the engineers and the designers coding in the room and stuff who yeah. are building these products they may have the true answers so as a consumer as an average 20 something year old person who uses the internet every day yes maybe when we're talking about it, we don't really know but there are people who do really know and they're they're the ones who are actually building this stuff so I guess maybe we just keep looking to them. I don't know. But I do think there are people who do know, but the majority of the population does not. So that's important to remember.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's good. So now, okay, so now Web 2.0, what I was gathering is it's like focused on centralization. So platforms like Google, Facebook, Amazon, those exist as like highly centralized platforms where other people post their own like websites or accounts, but their accounts and websites are owned by these platforms. Correct? Yes.
1: Yes. So, web 2 is the internet of today. That's what we we probably both of us use the majority of our time that we spend on yeah. or really because we're we're breaking into web 3 now. So Like this podcast is, is web 2. Yes. Um okay. this podcast is web 2. Um I think the easiest way to think about web 2 is like you mentioned um, using the example of social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. So like I said with Web 1, that is a more so one-way flow of information. With Web 2, you get more two-way flow. So I can post something and you can react to it. We We can have a live dialogue. We can immediately share things and respond to them, you know, us right now, we're talking live on, you know, a Zoom or even on something like a an Instagram live or a TikTok live. Yeah. That's, that's a prime example of immediate two-way flow of information. You can have a very interactive experience. And the important thing to remember is, as you said, a lot of that interaction happens on a platform that is centralized and owned by a large entity. And today, these entities yeah. are very siloed, right? So, yes.
0: What do you mean by siloed?
1: So, when I say siloed, I mean we don't have the same account to log into all of our most used social media platforms. I don't have the same account or login for my. Snapchat Instagram and TikTok, I do yep. for my Instagram or my TikTok so what happens on those siloed platforms is owned and run by those separate organizations
0: okay and so they so the idea is like they own your account yes and they could delete
1: the, your account whenever they wanted they own it mm-hmm. and it's a, a siloed experience for the user Like, I I don't have a seamless transition between my TikTok and my Instagram. It's, I have to, you know, go back to my home screen and go into the different app or I have to use a different password. There's there's a lot more um, gates to go through because these platforms are protected by these large companies.
0: Okay, so then we get to web three. And that is, from my understanding, based on the blockchain, and it's decentralized, and it's like platforms and apps that are built by users and owned by users. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I think that is correct. Okay. We're we're both still learning here. It is, it's owned by users, and... But how is that different from
0: like Mark Zuckerberg owning Facebook? It's Um, like if I created and you might not know the answer to this, but this is like what's really confusing to me is like if I created a an app on Web3 that like lives on the blockchain and I'm like the owner of it. How is that different from Mark Zuckerberg creating Facebook? on the internet because
1: Mark is a single person who owns or he doesn't I don't know if he owns all of Facebook but well yeah yeah, yeah. he is the one who he did at one point right well he is the one who gets to make the decisions about how Facebook is run and operated and but if I made my own
0: app on this thing why couldn't I make would I not be able to make my own decisions about how it was run like let's say I made an app called Jackie book and it existed on this platform, and it existed on Web3, mm-hmm. and it lived on the blockchain, and I ex- made it, and I owned it, and you could come and hang out at Jackie, th- at Jackie Book, but mm-hmm. you don't own it. You just come and hang out, and I own it. Or no, on Web3, you would have to own part of it. I also well, don't know if anything I'm saying makes difference...
1: sense. No, no, no. I, I see what you're saying, and I, I'm going to answer to your comparison of Jackie Book and Mark Zuckerberg owning it. Okay, the answer is that you are the sole you—not user, but you are the creator. You are like the sole creator who's generating content and sharing that with the world. In the same way, the the OG web one users were like, "I want to build a website for fun and share that with the people that I care about, and they can you know yeah. look at my blog." But I guess the difference with Mark Zuckerberg is that he is owning he is a you know, over what is I don't even know how many users Facebook has now, but a billion yep. plus. So he has power over those a billion plus people. You mainly have power over stuff. And the person also in Web3, the person who will probably be coming to visit Jackie Book has maybe their own
0: you can a book. book.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so I have my own space, that is my own. I can go in to visit yours, and you're the person who's in charge, but at the end of the day, I can go back to my own space, my own home where I can display my own art, my own ideas, and people can come okay. and visit, but I'm the one who gets to make the decisions. I On think that your may, and that's Hannah book. Yeah, I'm not sure if this comparison is logical, but for the sake of this podcast.
0: It makes Hopefully sense makes to sense. me, okay. enough.
1: I guess back to describing web, what Web three is and yeah. how it's different from Web two is with Web three again. It's decentralized, right? So I guess Jackie book, Hannah book. We're we're we live in our Zeke own space. Book. We don't we don't live on the same book. Like we have our own. We got our own books. Okay. The other thing that is important and this breaks into the financial piece of web3 which I'm going to stay away from. But what's happening on web3 in addition to the exchange of information and interaction that we see in web2 there's also an exchange of value. Yes. An exchange of things of really great value whether, you know, that's someone that's you making an NFT of Zeke and I'm able to then buy it and then display it in Hannah book and Okay. It's it's that's where you tap into like what is the creator economy and and what is the financial reasoning and why is it important that those transactions are decentralized and
0: and you can purchase anyways. it directly from me. You don't have to go through like a Venmo or something or like a Coinbase to purchase it. You could yes. the idea well, would are, be you could purchase it through me.
1: I can purchase it through you, but It's likely that you would probably still use a third party. Yeah, so things like OpenSea, you know, anytime you transact or, you know, make an exchange, there is likely a gas fee on what you're purchasing or selling. Meaning, anytime, I'm going to explain this wrong. Someone, if you know about crypto more than I do, please, please correct me. (laughs) Chime um, in. Yeah. Chime in. Feel free to hop in here. But I'm pretty sure that... And any by one, anyone who
0: knows more than her, she's referring to her little brother.
1: referring to Jake. Who's I told him I was come. doing this. Wait, can I say something really quick about yeah. Jake? Yeah. Okay. I told Jake I was doing this, and I was going to come on here with you, because all of my knowledge comes from being inspired by, by Jake and... Jake's her little well, brother. As well as my dad, Andy, who have become both obsessed with this world over the past two years. Um, and I told him that I was doing this and he's now actually working essentially as a web three blockchain, uh, consultant for a sports marketing company, which is really cool. No way. I didn't know. Yeah. He's, he's crushing it. And he basically had to give this presentation, giving the background, on crypto, blockchain, Web three to the company. So he sent me his slides that he made, <laughs> and they're That's really fantastic. great. But anyways, we can share those slides too. Jake's a baller. He's the one who's kind of let paved the way for. We'll have we'll have
0: Jake come once listeners and myself have a better understanding. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. He's we're gonna get defining... too technical too
0: fast. We're not we're not technical yet.
1: We're defining the Because jargon. We're growing. <laughs> Yeah, we're
0: defining the jargon before he starts vomiting on on us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Jake, this is a subtweet on a decentral on a on a Web two platform. Okay, (laughs) but you were saying that like because it takes energy to use the blockchain, like you do have to pay to use it.
1: Yes, and that we can maybe save for a later date to talk about why that is and how that all happens. That will be we'll do a blockchain one. That will be a blockchain slash cryptocurrency discussion. But I guess it also might be helpful to talk a little bit more about the comparison between Web2 and Web3. Yeah, why, that's helpful. why it's different. So the first example that comes to mind, of course, as we've mentioned before, platform big social media platforms. So for example, Web2, you have something like Twitter. Twitter can censor or not block, but shut down. Delete an account. Any account or any tweet. They have the power to do that. When you sign up for Twitter, you are agreeing that they have the power to do that. And in Web3, a Web3 tweet, for example, is uncensorable because it it is decentralized. That makes sense. So that is, there is no not that there's no governing body but there is no individual or management team with the power to do that to censor tweets or ideas I guess but that's the first example of a difference and the mainly yes. the main reason is that these centralized platforms have the power and they they own basically anything that happens on the platform
0: and well, what I was also reading was that like a lot of different countries have different just like government laws regarding these web two platforms. And so they're not universal. And that the idea is that web three would be universal because a governing like legal body wouldn't be able to say, Oh, this can't be shown here or this is how this is used in this country, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I I think that leads into one of the major arguments for web three is that it is more accessible to more people globally, I think.
0: I feel like, but there's also risk for it to be much more dangerous.
1: Yes, there definitely is risk. But in terms of the accessibility point, for example, bank accounts, not everybody can open a bank account. It's kind yeah. of, it's a, it's a given for a lot of people in the United States, but not everybody has the power to open a bank account. It's not necessarily something one can just do if you know yep. there's a lot of there's a lot of things needed a lot of things necessary for that to happen so can someone make a account crypto one coinbase or yep. another exchange yes or there i think there's less and again someone have hop in here please <laughs> but I think there's less restrictions to becoming a Web3 user, especially in the financial ecosystem. That's such a great point. Um, I didn't think about that. I'm still learning, but that's that's why, you know, people who are really in this space are huge advocates for this reason because they know so many users can adopt it and even more users than have you know traditional financial infrastructure in their lives because some people don't anyways going off. well it makes sense
0: because like I was able to make a coinbase account super easily and granted like to buy something on coinbase I had to link my bank account exactly but let's say I whatever I have let's say I own one ethereum in coinbase but then someone I know who doesn't have a bank account could create a coinbase account I could send them that one ethereum and then now they have currency to their name that they like own and can use exactly and then they could use that to purchase things on web3 and be able to use that and store wealth without actually having
1: a bank account exactly and so yeah i mean and that's kind of looking Okay that's a huge here. plus. I huge never thought plus. about that at all. Huge huge plus. And long term and even in the short term, you know, people who who would prefer to be, you know, paid by their employers in cryptocurrency, or mm-hmm. you know, people who don't have bank accounts—that's the only maybe form of a payment they can accept. Um, yeah, but it's it's increasing increasing accessibility, all based around the idea of decentralization. There's no, you know, large governing body in our traditional financial system. The U- at least in the U.S., the U.S. government controls the amount of money that's in the system. And banks govern, you know, where the money sits and yep. how it's stored, how it's exchanged. What the interest, interest rates are, everything. Mm-hmm. And so when we move forward into this new decentralized world, it helps, it boosts the amount of people who can take part.
0: To clarify, does Web3 already exist in some capacity?
1: Hundred percent, yeah. It's and it's existed okay. for I don't know if
0: It was I read something, it was like, like the term was coined in twenty fourteen.
1: Yes. Yeah, so when Bitcoin when the Bitcoin white paper was released and Bitcoin became a thing. By the way, yep. A white paper
0: Yeah, I was about to another, <laughs> another term that you might hear a
1: lot. A white paper is essentially think of it like a thesis essay. So for us students out here, like these these people who built these products from my understanding sat down and wrote out in a very, you know, clear, logical way why they built what they built. And it's a lot what a lot of cryptocurrencies and things in web3 come back to is like their their white paper. It's essentially a a creed of this is why we're introducing this to the world. This is why it will be of use. This is how it works. Um,
0: OK, kind of like a business
1: plan. Like a, it's a business plan, but it's more I would describe it as more of like a, a descriptor a page.
0: Yeah. OK,
1: OK. So there is a Bitcoin white paper. There's an Ethereum white paper. And they're pretty technical, but some of them are also not as technical. Like the Bitcoin white paper, I don't think has changed since 2013, 14. And those rules still apply which is pretty yep. incredible, you know? Nearly a decade later, this how crazy. the fact that that technology and its intentions, its impact has just been crazy. Yep. Crazy, crazy. Wow,
0: okay. And then I also found some critics of Web3, including Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey. And Jack Dorsey basically said, it's ultimately a centralized entity with a different label, which is interesting. And he's saying it's basically owned by all the VCs and everyone investing in it. But that kind of seem I don't know where that stands. And then Elon Musk has my favorite, where he just said, "Has has anyone seen Web3? I can't find it." <laughs> and I thought that was funny. But
1: no, I think that it is, is here at least. I feel like there is a lot of skepticism. I mean, false closure. I know we've been talking about this, but I fully—I don't consider myself even really a full user of Web3 yet. I'm just in here kind of lurking and figuring out what's going on. Yeah, Not necessarily because I'm skeptical but because I do want to I just want to keep learning. I'm also I think a different issue but like I, I'm a little I'm still kind of intimidated by it and just want to understand the technical.
0: Well I'm curious I actually want to talk about that if you're yeah. open to it because yeah, I'm let's intimidated. Definitely talk about it. Let's talk about it because I'm intimidated by it too and yeah. I think there's a general kind of consensus that women are intimidated by this stuff girls do there's all like all these memes about it like why like guys are super into all of these things and super into web 3 blockchain crypto whatever and girls are like i couldn't give two shits and this is overwhelming and this is intimidating and i don't know how to deal with this why do you like why do we think that is well, and I have opinions, and I'm sure you do, too.
1: No, let's talk about it, because this is yeah. really what I'm fascinated by. Yeah, yeah. The meat, the psychology behind all of this is just yeah. crazy. And I still don't, again, I wish I knew more. I want to know more. But even considering myself as like a, as a use case.
0: I exactly, from your sweat. experience.
1: Yeah. yeah. I would say, as a, and this is going to be sweeping assumptions here. Sweet. Yes. But as a, at least in the world that I have existed in, and like me and my, my girlfriends, I have like amazing, so smart, talented, bright friends. But we, our time as women growing up, we don't, we don't talk about money very much. We don't. No. We don't talk about investing. We don't talk, we don't, you know, we don't bet on sports. We don't talk about the stock market. We just, we spend our time, our brain space is, is you know, in different areas. At least for me, like I yeah. love talking about relationships with friends or, you know, talking about current events or talking yeah. about, our line of work and more stereotypically I also love talking about pop culture or yeah you know anything beauty and fashion like that's stuff that I also really enjoy anything entertainment and that's also yeah. you know nature of the people where I live in where I'm living people I'm so and also by. what
0: we're fed like what, what we're, we're fed, fed by culture and society and stuff like mm-hmm. what we're told to like what we've always been told to like and be interested in Mm -hmm. and what we're told we're supposed to talk about Mm -hmm. and I think I think women and girls are told not to talk about money especially success with money and being interested in that stuff because it's deemed threatening and said it that's my blanket statement
1: yeah no I I think it's it's deemed threatening but I also think as with a lot of spaces that are male dominated if you don't see it it's hard to become it, if that makes sense. If I don't, yes. if I'm not surrounded by, or I don't, I'm not learning necessarily from female investors or operators or engineers that are crushing it in this space, it's gonna be harder for me to feel like, even subconsciously, like it's a place that I will belong, a place where I will, you know, have the room. And the comfort to learn and mess up and be able to make something in that space. Anyways, I think there's a lot to unpack here, but I agree with the threatening piece.
0: Even with the way we're talking about it right now, like I think both of us have really prefaced like, we don't know a lot about this. Yes. We don't, we're saying this, we don't know everything about it. And like, cause that's how we're taught to talk about things. That's how it's girls so and women true. are taught to talk about things. But if our brothers were talking about it, they'd be like, this is how this is. And this is how that is. And I read this, that said this, and this is what it said. And this is what it is yeah. because that's what they read. And that's what it says. And like, and they know that, but we are not allowed to have room for error. And I think we're constantly taught, like, don't overassert yourself don't over yourself, make it very clear, like, I'm not trying to say I know everything, I'm not trying to say I'm always right, I'm probably wrong, like, chances are I'm actually just definitely wrong, don't even listen to me, you should turn it off, like, whatever, and I think this goes back to generations generations of standards for women, but then we don't even want to have conversations about it, or we don't even want to ask about it, because we're like, I don't know like this is I don't know that much and I'm not going to pretend to know that much so I'm just going to sort of sit in the back and like you can do it and it sounds complicated and I think the vocabulary and the dialogue around it then gets highly technical and complicated like even me just reading these articles earlier today that are kind of like basic literally the titles like what is web 3 after four paragraphs I couldn't keep going it was so it was so highly technical and complicated and so you see that, and the only reason I kept doing it was because, um, I needed an episode, so <laughs> I did it, but otherwise, oh, I would completely otherwise, I would have been like, "You know what, this is not my space, this isn't my area, like I'm just gonna go sit and do something else like this is not this is not for me uh-uh. oh, and I can't yeah. keep up, but we can keep
1: up we can. we're just told not to and I think. First of all, there are so many amazing, incredible, badass women who have paved the way in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, STEM. Like that, there, and that is, those women ran. So we could even be here talking about this. And now in Web3, those same women identifying pioneers do exist. And I, I'm trying to find them as I move throughout my learning journey. I know, Jackie, we talked about maybe including – maybe now we can just – we can include female organized Web3 resources as a way to to boost what we've been talking about. But there are a lot of women who are in this space and then also working their butts off to create space for more women to come in. So I think we're at this really cool – transition point because now with web 3 we get to build this world reflecting on everything that happened in web 1 and web 2 and how can we make it the most accessible technically also even like psychologically accessible yeah how how can we do that and i think there's a lot of amazing organizers who are working to make that happen so i'm excited to keep going
0: I love it. Okay, well, I mean, I think this is exciting. I think we're starting to unpack something. I hope everyone who listened realized that, like, you know what? Maybe you could engage in Web3, and this is literally only the beginning of us figuring it out and jumping on the bus and making sure that we're there when the bus arrives. And we are part of the conversation, and we're leading the conversation. So excited for everyone. I hope this sort of helps some people. I think it helped me and you know what it's my world at this podcast so (laughs) if it helped me then the goal was accomplished if it helped you too though that's even better because community okay it's time for me to stop talking Hannah do you have any
1: final words oh I am just so happy that we got to do this this was so much fun I love you yeah
0: this is awesome I love you so much Okay, thanks, Han. Did you laugh? I did.